Petrichor and Parchment A Good Omens Fic by Mrs. Noggin Read by Literarian Chapter 7 Smudges of touch, smears of lust, fingerprints whispering of desire and want. Aziraphel didn't sulk. He didn't cry. He just sat and stared at the muddy handprints on his clothes, traced the actions through his mind and wondered what the hell had happened. Crowley had obviously had second thoughts. Or maybe first thoughts, because kissing him was probably something Crowley hadn't really thought through at all. It had been going so well, but just one distraction, one pull from the moment, and Crowley had fled. So all that led one to think that Perhaps the decision wasn't a concrete one to begin with. Aziraphale actually jumped when his phone buzzed. There was a sudden lightness in his chest that set his heart thumping like a mad thing, and he scrambled across the room to where he'd left the device on the sideboard. It had to be him. It had to be. It might be something horrible. An apology. A demand for an apology. An excuse to never come back. It might be... Anathema. Oh. Anathema, 1950. Farm called to say there's a tree down on the lane. Completely blocked, so be careful if you're going out. He will clear tomorrow. Anathema, 1951. Do you need firewood? Bless her, it was nice to warn him. But curse her all the same. And no, he didn't need firewood, it'd be all soggy anyway. 1951. Thanks for the warning. And no, I haven't had the chimney swept yet. That was something he needed to sort out. Also, the wood store needed clearing out. He should make a list. Though, not now. Now was time for drinking and not caring. His phone went again, lighting up and vibrating in his hand. Anathema, 1953. About half an hour ago. Maybe it was that lightning. How thrilling. I wonder if it's on fire. Anathema, 1954. Could burn down the whole village. She was so macabre. He really did like her. Aziraphale remembered that lightning strike. He remembered it clearly and not at all fondly. In fact, he remembered it with a scornful sneer and a bitter twist of his lips. He was just about to sit back down when he realized the tree had come down before Crowley left. Of course, he may have found a way around it, but completely blocked, she'd said. 
Though Crowley had plenty of tools in his Land Rover, maybe he was going to clear it himself. Perhaps he was so desperate to get away from Aziraphale that he was taking a chainsaw to it to escape right then. He could text him. But to be honest, he would be unlikely to respond. Either driving or avoiding him. And the tree could only be within a few minutes' walk. It would be impossible, he sighed, to relax without knowing. Oh, bugger. The rain lashed his face cruelly when he opened the door, but he had no choice, really, had he? And the lane was slippery and ankle-deep in mud already. Ugh. Sometimes being a decent person was hard. He heard the Land Rover before he saw it. Engine rumbling heartily, speakers vibrating something far too loudly. Queen, he registered as he drew closer. He was unsure whether he was relieved the car was there or not. Obviously, he wanted to see Crowley again, and so soon. But also, no. Because they somehow had to deal with this, and the only realistic way Aziraphale could see that working was to break his heart just a bit more thoroughly. The red glow of the backlights illuminated the road dramatically, and as he rounded the corner, he saw the big old oak tree down, immense, unmoving shadows in the beam of the headlights. There was no movement within, Aziraphale noted. Crowley hadn't crashed into it, had he? The front of the car appeared fine. No smoke, no crunched bits, nothing squished. Aziraphale approached the passenger window, looked inside. The glow of the lights bouncing back into the interior of the car was enough for him to see Crowley in the driver's seat, bent over, his forehead resting on the steering wheel. Aziraphale flicked off his torch, took a fortifying breath and opened the passenger door. He was hit with a wall of sound at the same time as Crowley bolted upright in his seat, possibly about to punch the intruder in the face. Judging from the wild look in his eyes and the way his fist was raised, ready to pull back and let loose. Aziraphale very calmly and deliberately and presumptuously slid into the seat and closed the door behind him. He reached to turn down Freddie Mercury. I dare say you'd better turn this heap around and come back. Crowley just looked at him. He had his sunglasses off, presumably it was impossible to drive in the dark with them on, and Aziraphale could see the nervous and confused flicking of his eyes, even in the dimness of the car. I have a sofa. And a spare duvet. You're not going to get anywhere this way. The farmer will clear the tree in the morning. Look, Angel. I rather think it's better if you don't call me that right now, Crowley. 
Aziraphale looked out of the window, watched the harsh rain stabbing at the glass and the drops falling down in defeat. And you've very little choice unless you have other options in the village. I'm not leaving you here all night. Can you turn around or do we need to leave the car? Crowley didn't answer, thankfully, just jammed the car into reverse. Vintage Land Rovers were not made for comfort. The rattle of the engine, plus the bumpiness of the stony lane, shook the car roughly, and Haziraphale watched the gear stick dance with the vibrations. About ten seconds in, Crowley put his arm up, his hand on the back of Aziraphale's headrest, to keep himself turned more comfortably. He leaned between their seats and steered one-handed in an infuriatingly attractive way, driving much too fast considering he was on an unpaved road, in the dark, in a storm, going backwards. And God damn it, he still smelled so darn good. It was only eight o'clock, half the evening still ahead of them. This was a stupid idea. He should have left Crowley out in the rain. Aziraphale hung his dripping coat and kicked off his wellies a little too roughly. He took a few moments to arrange them neatly. Left one, right one. Inched them closer together. Made them level. It helped him breathe a little easier. Are you hungry? He asked, trying to sound like he was not crawling out of his skin with anxiety. Crowley must be hungry, just running off coffee and cigarettes all day. He needed fuel, he didn't even have a coat on, for goodness sake, and his clothes were dripping wet. Aziraphale needed to feed him. No. I'll see if I've got anything you can wear. You can't sit in wet clothes all night. There wouldn't be anything that fit, but beggars couldn't be choosers. And then he'd trick him into eating something. Crowley nodded and raked a hand through his rain-flattened hair. He looked a bit pathetic, really, if it was possible to look pathetic and read ridiculously hot at the same time. Messy and crumpled, wet hair, pale face, looking down at the floor, his clothes soaked through to the point that the artful dip of his belly button was visible. Aziraphale managed to dig out some almost suitable clothes and give them to Crowley nicely, rather than throw them at his head, which was what he felt like doing. I'm going to go do stuff, so this isn't... He wanted to say awkward, but it already was. So he just waved a hand between them vaguely. Let me know if you need anything. Help yourself to everything, etc., etc. Angel. Crowley started, stopped to correct himself, shook his head. 
He was clutching the clothes like some sort of shield, and if he wasn't careful, they would end up just as wet as the ones he was wearing. He was still looking at the floor, hiding his eyes. Aziraphale. And, oh, the way he said his name. Like it was precious, like every syllable was something beautiful. Aziraphale stepped a little closer, drawn in like a bee to a flower, breached the outskirts of his space. He wasn't sure he'd ever heard him say it before, and if he put that much feeling into it, that was probably by design. Crowley didn't look up. I apologize for... before. I shouldn't have. I shouldn't have, so... I, uh... sorry. Okay. He was trying to sound understanding when he was anything but. He was confused, more than a little lost. I don't do... I can't do that. Not to you. Crowley was really struggling for words. He made a frustrated sound and scratched at the back of his head. You're too good for that. The too good for me was silent but clear. Aziraphale felt a rush of comprehension settling over him, cool and fresh. It was a relief, light, a breeze of reassurance, confidence. This wasn't about him and his own shortfalls. For once it wasn't that he was too eccentric or chubby or bookish. Crowley's problems were with himself, and Aziraphale already knew they would be nothing to him. He shuffled forward to stand in front of Crowley, waited for him to lift his head and look at him. The quirk of Crowley's uncertain lips was heartbreaking. There was regret clear in his beautiful eyes, but adoration on his face. Do you want me? Aziraphale asked, hopeful. He'd never quite had the bravery to do something like this, but Crowley inspired all sorts of things in him that he'd never had before. Crowley laughed humorlessly. It sounded like broken defeat. <laughs> Angel, I've known I want you since the wall, since we broke the wall. He waved a wild arm at the stairs. You said fuck so prettily, and to be honest, I think I was a bit slow on the uptake. It was probably before even that. Aziraphale couldn't hold back the smile, which was annoying when he was trying to be serious. He wrestled it back under control, looked him in the eye, held out a hand. No pressure. 
You can say no, I'm not going to kick you out or anything, or even mention it again. But, but, if you want me, you can have me. There was a second where Aziraphale thought he might be refused, where Crowley would shake his head and step back, make his excuses and possibly even leave again. He was laying it all out here, opening himself to rejection. He was bared and exposed. He saw Crowley taking it in, drinking in the vulnerability and the depth of his seriousness. And then he could see nothing, because Crowley was against him, ignoring his outstretched hand and instead dropping the clothes he held and just taking hold of Aziraphale around the waist. Pulling him against the hardness of his body. Aziraphale's eyes closed as their mouths collided, lips side-sweeping on the first contact, but Crowley came back in an instant, bumping them back together. Aziraphale grabbed hold of him, one arm around his neck, the other hand in his hair, tight. They broke apart for air after only a few seconds, gasping at each other's breath, lips barely separated before diving back in. Crowley was so hungry for him, his mouth devouring, all determined heat. Tongue sliding in to taste his own, licking at his teeth. Aziraphale reveled in it, undulated his body up, rolling from hip to chest against him, feeling wanted, feeling desired. There was a chill battling with the warmth generated between them. He could feel it through his own damp clothing. He knew the source, and it was something he could deal with quite easily. Take your wet clothes off. He panted, fingers digging into Crowley's scarp so he wouldn't retreat too far in the pause between their kisses. Worry it, I'll catch a cold. Crowley teased breathlessly. No. And he bit at Crowley's lip. Walking backwards up that narrow, crooked staircase was fairly tricky. Doing it while kissing someone was difficult. Add in trying to take off clothes that were so wet they needed peeling off, and it got ridiculous. They fell over. Twice. The third time they didn't even bother getting up for a while. Aziraphale finally managed to get Crowley's top off, ran his hands greedily over his chest, scratched at his chest hair, fingers catching at his nipples. Finally, he could see the tattoos close up, lavender and tulips and roses. A branch of autumn leaves growing up his bicep, across the front of his shoulder and onto his chest. So many, so many he didn't know. 
He wanted to learn them all. He traced them with his fingers until Crowley moaned and rolled his hips, grinding down against Aziraphale's pelvis, drawing a whimper from the throat he was sucking at. Crowley did it again, wedged a knee between Aziraphale's legs and slithered between them. Aziraphale's head dropped back onto the tread behind him at the heat skittering up his body. It was intense. He felt feverish, dizzy with it. Please, he said, not knowing why. I've got you, Angel, Crowley mumbled into his neck. I've got you. That was a lovely thing to hear. It made him feel warm inside in a whole different way. Crowley's hard hand was down at Aziraphale's thigh, sliding round, pulling him up alongside him, fingers pressing in enough that Aziraphale could feel each one, the tender ache blooming, and he hoped they bruised. He wanted to look at those purple fingerprints tomorrow, to prod at them and savour the ache. Bet! Aziraphale demanded, commanded. He pushed at Crowley, struggled upwards with him. His legs were shaking, he hadn't even taken his clothes off yet. This was chaos, delicious chaos. He wanted it no other way. He led him backwards, Crowley working on the buttons of Aziraphale's shirt. His victorious cheer when he finally got it open made Aziraphale giggle, a noise that should have sounded silly but somehow made Crowley's eyes darken. He pushed Aziraphale down on the bed and followed gladly, climbed over him, elbows and knees everywhere. Mouth like lava on the chilled flesh of his chest, sucking at the skin, biting at what he could. Sharp teeth, wet tongue. Aziraphale pushed at Crowley's hips so he could get in between them and fight viciously with his belt. What do you want? Crowley asked. His voice was like those distant rumbles of thunder, low and desperate. I want you to fuck me, he said easily. He yanked the belt free so roughly it thwopped against Crowley's side. Crowley rested his forehead against Aziraphale's shoulder and took a few deep breaths. That okay? Crowley's laugh was shallow, his body still mishandling the oxygen it was gasping in. More than. Christ, is that okay? What the hell kind of question is that? He squawked a little as Aziraphale managed to undo his jeans and just shoved his hand in there. Aziraphale pushed them down over Crowley's behind, too eager to wonder if he should take the boxes with them. They just went. He grabbed, 
dug his fingers into the deceptively soft flesh there, pulled Crowley down against him and let his jaw drop on a moan at the pressure between them. Yes, look at you, so beautiful. Crowley was encouraging him, rolling his hips, frotting gently against him, driving him mad. I knew you'd be lovely like this. Considering the urgency and rush of their journey to this point, Crowley's touch between his legs was gentle. Aziraphale had gone for the loop, had been completely ready to be slicking up his own hand when Crowley had taken it from him, squeezed it onto his own fingers. Oh yes, please, those hands on him, in him. They were on their sides, facing each other, the perfect position for Crowley to kiss him as he reached under his bent leg and rubbed tender fingertips against his hole. Aziraphale shivered, his nerves tingling, his body starving. In! Please! Now! Crowley smirked against his mouth and pushed a finger straight and arrogantly into Aziraphale's arse. Aziraphale may have bitten him. A little hard. He didn't seem to mind. He grunted in a satisfied sort of way, withdrew and pushed back in, spreading loop as well as he could. More, Aziraphale said, begged, possibly. There was a stretch for two, Crowley's knuckles up against the skin of his backside as he undulated his fingers, a wave of in and long, slow pull of out, again, again. Addictive heaviness laid foundations, a weight in Aziraphale's abdomen, pulling his hips downward, demanding. It wasn't enough. He flung out an arm to fumble in the top drawer for condoms, pushed them at Crowley. Please, oh God, please. Crowley may have been gentle with his hands, but he wasn't gentle when he was fucking. He sank in slow, giving Aziraphale time, kisses at his neck, his hand up and down his thigh, patient, reassuring, waiting. Then, as soon as he felt the initial tenseness in his body dissipate, he fucked and he fucked hard. Moments ago, before, Aziraphale had seen Crowley's cock. Long, uncut, red with the heat of want, and he had wanted it in him. He had wrapped his soft, pale fingers around it, felt the give of skin over the hardness beneath. He lined it up against his own and rubbed them together while Crowley had ripped into the condom packet with his teeth. 
It felt wonderful. It felt even more wonderful shoving into him, every thrust shifting them up the bed until Aziraphale had to put a hand up to push back against the headboard. Crowley was glorious, looking down at him, his eyes like the sun, his gaze hot on Aziraphale's face. He bent to lick up Aziraphale's neck, bite down into the flesh of his shoulder, his hips steadily moving the whole time. Crowley! Aziraphale's voice jerked with each movement, his moans released in little bursts of sound. He grasped at soft red hair, pulled hard to steer Crowley's mouth to his, panted into it, breathed passion and need into it, felt the same being sucked into his own lungs. It's... oh... I know, Angel, I know. There would be time for slow later. There would be time for long looks and delicate touches and deep kisses. Now was a rush, a desperate rushing of heat and sweat and pent-up need. Aziraphale dug his fingernails in and held on, arched his back, let his voice out on each thump of flesh on flesh. He could feel his orgasm building already. That unbearable heavy heat in the base of his back, in his pelvis, setting his body trembling. He chased it, pushed up, shifting so that every thrust rubbed his cock up against Crowley's belly. Oh, God! Crowley grit out in response, changing gear, losing the decadent roll of his spine, but gaining speed and, somehow, more strength. He dug a hand between them. No, no! Aziraphale pulled Crowley down against him to trap his arm before he could reach his cock. Too much! It'll be too much! Okay... Okay, yeah. Crowley pulled his hand back out, used it to push himself up so he could look down on Aziraphale, bent a knee for more leverage, and curved Aziraphale's tense thigh higher. Are you there? Are you going to come for me, angel? Aziraphale felt the muscles start clenching, his leg kicking out as he pushed higher and higher, the pressure spreading. Yes, yeah, don't stop, he gasped. Do it loud, Crowley breathed and snapped his hips faster. Let me hear you. He did. Let the orgasm overtake and overwhelm him. He let it flood through his body and push the air from his lungs. And if the air came out of his mouth in the shape of Crowley's name, 
Well, it wasn't deliberate, but it was probably all right. He moaned and gasped and called out into the space between them, distantly heard Crowley growling in reply, urging him on, slowing to push into him deep to guide him through. He couldn't catch his breath afterwards. He felt light and floaty, but as if he was sinking into the mattress as well. He opened his eyes to find Crowley watching him, biting at the inside of his lips, holding still to give him a minute. Bless his heart. And bless his cock, which was twitching inside him eagerly, probably wondering what the hold-up was. Aziraphale pulled him down to kiss him, bite at those lips himself. You can keep going if you want, he said. Just go slow to start with. Crowley watched him carefully, swaying first rather than moving. It was uncomfortable, but Aziraphale knew he could push through. And if he did, it would be fantastic. Bump over that first painful oversensitivity and he'd be back into ecstasy territory. He hitched his legs up, hooking them under Crowley's round backside and squeezed him in tight. Come on, sweetheart. Gentle words, Aziraphale digging his heels in hard and rocking his head back with the overstimulation. Oh, God! Oh, yes! It only took Crowley a minute, Aziraphale's body clutching at him in uneven pulses, the slide of sweat on their chests, the slick of cum on their bellies. He gave a few scattered moans, rising in pitch, slipping out between the clench of his teeth. It was thrilling watching him fall apart, the desperation rising in his eyes, the stuttered catch of his breath, the feeling of his fingers scrabbling at Aziraphale's shoulder blade where his arm was beneath him, trying to anchor, to hold on. He pushed in deep as he came, his voice breaking on a hard exhale, his head tipping down to rest on Aziraphale's shoulder, sweat-damp hair tickling at his face. The sight of him and the sound of him was amazing, addictive, something Aziraphale wanted as often as possible. The surprised, choking laughter that followed his random muscle spasms was beautiful. The weight of his body pushing Aziraphale down into the bed was perfection. How long could he keep him? Could he have him forever? <laughs>